You're listening to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, episode 44. Hello and welcome to the Who's Driving Your Car podcast, where we discuss not only who or what might be driving your life, but also the great views and experiences along the way. Do you drive in the fast lane like my wife, or do you feel like you're stuck in first gear? You only get one life to live, and it can be either a total wreck or a beautiful cruise into the sunset. We are three friends that have collectively experienced almost anything that could possibly happen in this crazy world, and we'll be discussing our personal reflections and experiences so hopefully you can avoid running out of gas and truly enjoy the wind blowing in your hair. So hop on in with us for a little road trip called life, and let's discuss who's driving your car. Aye! What's crack a liking podcast world? Welcome back to Who's Driving Your Car, episode 44. 44. Oh! On today's podcast, we have a couple special guests with us here. We've got Brittany Turner and Jeremy Locke. And they are, well, I hope I'm going to say this right. I know Brittany's got a lot of companies involved, but today we're talking, and we'll probably talk a lot about all of them, but in specifically, um, Aerial Recovery. They were down here in our area and are coming back um, to visit us with our um, recoup and recovery process post the multiple hurricanes and tropical storm that rolled through here. So we reached out and I thought it would be a a neat idea and we're really thankful um, for what y'all have done for us and for coming on the podcast. And I thought it might be a nice thing to do um, just to let y'all tell us a little bit about y'all. Yeah, well, thanks for having us, hot dog. (laughs) <laughs> already hopping on that wagon i like it go get it i realized there's a major part of my life that's missing i do not have a good nickname oh i've got a oh man nickname. no nickname i need a better nickname and that is that's part of my request for doing this podcast <laughs> i'll tell you what this guy over here to my right john he is going to come up with something for you i'll get you i'll get you a good one at least you're like charles nickname when you come to visit <laughs> all right john you got 30 minutes give me a great nickname so I can fit in even more in your town. We are force for good entrepreneurs. And um, I started, Jeremy's a green beret and I'm going to let him give a little bit of background on himself, but I started my businesses uh, as early as 21. And the goal behind them were to, was to solve world issues through force for good, self-sustainable companies who for a living actually solve problems. And I started out in real estate development, taking hopeless areas and making them economically self-sustainable. I then started a media production company to retell the story online. And then now we have Aerial Recovery Group, which creates resiliency through redevelopment plans for areas that get hit with disasters because you could be a thriving economy and get shifted into almost a a developing nation or third world country overnight, depending on the level of devastation. And if there's not a plan for recovery, if there's not a group owning that and organizing that and having the strength and ability to help carry that, then it takes a lot longer than it has to. You know, a lot of places have recovered and we can take those best practices and apply them to areas that get hit. And instead of it taking five, 10, 15, sometimes 50 years or never to recover, we can do it in less than two. And we're trying to get that number even more. And so this isn't the first time a hurricane has hit an area. Um, It's not the first time earthquakes hit places, fires hit places, but we've been studying 
what does it take to accelerate recovery? And then we go into areas and apply that. So we have been blessed uh, to be able to come down to Louisiana where we've fallen in love with your people. Like we said, oh my gosh, we're on our third trip. We've brought 52 people down so far and then we've got an, a bunch of other volunteers ready to keep coming down. And we've just been doing volunteer work, helping to work with people who need just an extra set of hands, either changing, sure. cleaning up, um, or helping different nonprofits get organized for the most sustainable recovery. Very cool. Uh, and yeah, I will say when I was, I happened to, I'm pretty new to Instagram. Don't know a ton about the online stuff. We have people who help us with that, but I happened to see a video that y'all were doing with this little lady outside her house, an African-American lady. And it blew my mind. Like y'all randomly ran across her. Like it was so cool to me. The, the stories that y'all are also sharing, the human spirit is a big part of what we do here um, with our podcast. And it really touched me a lot, what y'all have done, just elevating the human spirit, which is something you can't put a price or, you know, a tangible value on. Well, I'm so glad you watched that. We were driving by uh, North Lake Charles and I saw this home completely destroyed. One of the worst ones I had seen so far, the roof was completely lifted off and sitting perfectly intact right next to the house. And there was this cross in the front yard and it said, all is well. And I told the driver, I'm like, you have to pull over. This is the <laughs> profound scene. And when we pulled over, this little old lady, 80 years old, walks out of her house looking absolutely beautiful. I said, yeah. sorry, I'm not, I'm not intruding. I just had to take a picture. And she started telling me her story. And I was like, do you mind if we capture this? This woman had her full spirit. You know, she was all in completely trusting God and she just lost everything. She spent her last dollars to my knowledge, renovating that home. That was her forever home. She was taking care of her grandkids and everything. And it just completely got blown away. And she still trusted God in a way that I don't think I trust God, but I don't think I've ever trusted him. <laughs> I, I was blown away. Turmoil. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. So I know that Jeremy's seen a lot of stuff overseas. Um, which has helped him be incredibly effective in these disaster responses, which has helped me to be able to actually take the time to go around and interview people like Miss Helen. Yeah, Jeremy, and, and while we got you hopping on, man, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, brother? Yeah. All right. Thank you, hot dog. So I'll start with my three nicknames that I've had throughout my life. So, all right. First one I, I had was JLo, the original JLo. <laughs> then I see that. Once I, when I deploy, we grow our beards out and I have a bright red beard. So I got big red for a while. And my latest is Jer Bear because I'm, I guess I'm maybe, maybe my eyes are kind of lying, but I guess I'm a little bit cuddly sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So for myself, um, I'm an active duty Green Beret. I'm getting ready to retire and uh, I've been special forces for about going on nine years now. Um, I've had five deployments with uh, fifth special forces group out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Um, I have a few deployments part of that when I was in the infantry and um, man, like I've seen it all. I've seen it all overseas. I've seen a bunch in training. Um, I've seen the need. I've seen the destruction, the poverty, the just, just, I've just seen a bunch and 
I was asking myself and I was asking God when, as my career kind of winds down, like, you know, what's next for me? And I just, I just felt it was going to be a, a crying shame if all of this training and everything that I've done in these hours and years and of experience that I have just ended up doing something completely different. And uh, so the way God's timing worked was wonderful. Uh, I met Brittany. We, uh, we did a trip out uh, Hurricane Dorian in the Bahamas and out there, went out just to help and serve, went with uh, another couple NGOs out there and we're working with them. And man, I just looked around and I saw the devastation. I saw the need and I was like, this looks pretty familiar. Whether it be war-torn or disaster-torn environments, they, uh, they translate back and forth. And that just kind of was like, this is, this is my direction here. And I noticed all the, the need that was there. I noticed the inefficiency um, between the communications, between NGOs, governments, the people there. Everybody's heart's in the right place. Just, it's just the coordinations that are a little bit off. And I took a step back and I was thinking about it and I started talking to some of uh, the folks I work with. We're like, man, this is a special forces operation. These, these are exactly what Green Berets do. This this type of environment, this austere condition that people would need, the lack of electricity, the lack of supply routes, logistical things destroyed, going in and and fixing that and helping people recover and just bringing that that spirit back and helping people lift their heads up. I was like, this is this is what we need to do, and that's kind of where it worked out great, just with the timing between um, Brittany's vision that she's had her whole life. I'm sure she'll probably get into that. Um, connected with my experience that I've had the last 20 years and the people that I work with, this thing is, I mean, it, it's catching grips within my community, within the Special Forces community. We have right now um, six Green Berets that are working with me. We've partnered with some ex-Navy SEALs. We've got a bunch of ex-military people. We have disaster experts that are all within our team, and they're so passionate about it. So it's it's cool to to get out there and to help and to continue to use our skills, and that's exactly what uh, what Jerry Bear wanted to do was was use his skills and keep doing it that's so good stuff. I feel like awesome, it's the right calling and I'm on the right path that's fantastic appreciate your service yeah man absolutely we really do um and I thought it was pretty cool Brittany when I was looking I I had no idea when I reached out to the aerial recovery side of things that you had all these I call them fly happenings just one of my languages when it's something pretty cool going on here and it looks like you do a lot of stuff within this particular uh the aerial recovery but also your other avenues which i would love for you to tell us a little bit about your life story to how you got because i saw some of that on the line which was really i mean we we like to motivate and inspire people if you could share some of that with us but it looks like at y'all's core y'all like to also uplift people um a lot i, I read about that which i think is really neat too can y'all expound on that some absolutely i think it's important to know that god only gives you one piece of the puzzle at a time and if you saw those puzzle pieces completely put together and you saw the full picture of your life and what you're capable through Christ, you'd never have enough belief that you could do it. And so I like to share that God only gives you those puzzle pieces one at a time, most of the time, and he gives it to the, gives it to you in the form of passion or desires. And it's up to you to execute on what you've been given, knowing that you don't have the full story yet and having that grace with yourself to execute the best way that you can follow that passion, follow that desire, but know that as you keep moving forward, he'll use you for more. And I started out with having this desire to be a missionary since I was 12. 
in Africa. And I would work five jobs at a time from 12 on. And I went on a mission trip every year. And I felt really guilty every time I'd go on these mission trips because the whole time I was there, I was like super pissed off. And I'm like, oh, I was so angry because I would see these horrible atrocities and I wasn't really solving the problem. And I didn't know that God would use that fury inside me. <laughs> I'm really upset. And, and I've, I've learned now that frustration a lot of times is because you have a vision of a higher standard. You know it doesn't have to be this way. And you can either become a hater activist and just be miserable and angry, or you can say, all right, I'm upset because I know it could be here. Now I have to build a bridge from here to where it is and share that vision with other people on how we can make it better. And so I've been developing companies, not just to make enough money to be able to make a difference some way, someday, but on the journey, I've learned that the, the companies themselves can solve the problems. I freaking hate asking people for money. I can't stand it. I did not want to be a missionary living off of, you know, donors. And, and I know people do that and it's fine, but it's, it wasn't my calling. And that vision from being upset enough to say, we've got to do something about this to getting on my knees and saying, God, how, what is the solution? How do we create opportunities where there really is none? How do we solve poverty at its root? When you meet a family that sold their child, a two-year-old boy and two-year-old girl into sex trafficking for $25 and they know what's going to happen to them and they know they're only going to live for seven years and then be sold for parts. When you meet families at that level of desperation, you got to do something about it. And I call it seeing things you can't unsee. And I, I was, I call it blessed to see and be aware of such awful things at a very young age that my whole life has just had called the aerial view that's why every every company i have is is called aerial it's about having a big picture of knowing just by where we live if you're listening to this podcast you're more blessed and have access whether or not you have harnessed those those resources but you have access to more resources than most people in the whole world and when i saw these atrocities i knew i had a responsibility to try to make a way for people who don't have the same access. And so I've been educating myself, um, building companies, building a network of people and gaining resources so that we can put them together and be used as God's hands and feet. I used to feel really guilty to have more than just what I need for me and my family until I saw billionaires being used as the hand of God to feed entire nations when they got devastated. Three entrepreneurs held up the entire BVI, fed them, paid for millions of dollars of cruise ships to bring in food, shelter, water, saved so many lives because they had so much abundance. And so I challenge uh, the listeners to ask God, how do we start putting these pieces together? How do you start orchestrating good? How can your life be used as a force for good? And what's been fun is all of these steps from being a real estate developer in these impoverished areas to being able to retell the story has, has led us, like I said, to Louisiana um, to meet you guys and to be part of what God's doing down there. I really think that this can be the greatest opportunity, the greatest thing that's ever happened to you to rebuild stronger than before, to 
add pillars to your economy, to create more opportunity, to harness new networks, and to change some things structurally to where you live as a case study for so many people across the world on how even if you get whacked over and over again, you can bounce back <laughs> faster than anything else. So that's, that's really how we uh, got here. I know it's kind of a long story short, but meeting uh, Jeremy and his crew and being able to work with guys that have these skill sets. And, and again, you don't have to be the one so great or trained or perfect at everything, but if you can orchestrate things, you know, I know how to run organizations. I know how to get, um, I know how to share a story. I know how to do the right partnerships and open the door, but they have the skills. You know, they have the skills to jump out of planes and deliver food to locations. I, I couldn't probably survive to make it to. Uh, they are bringing their own levels of security and um, they just are trained to be able to overcome anything. And so it's been amazing to be around and to be able to partner with uh, the Green Berets and the SEALs and all these military guys who have a skill set that now is being able to be repurposed to save lives. It's really cool. Yeah. You know, one thing that really struck me <clears throat> whenever I saw y'all's videos and y'all's presence in Lake Charles, it was sort of a force of positivity at a time when it was really dark, you know, and I think, and, and Jeremy can speak to this for the special forces and you, Brittany, is, you know, in all of your ventures, mindset is huge and we all have this certain mindset which will help us get us across that bridge and that ladder that you talked about and i see tragedies like this and you're providing a lot of these resources you're providing the manpower but in your experience how has your um your gift of a positive mindset and the pathway to build that mindset translated into helping the mindset of a community or an area that sort of just hang in their head i mean have you seen i mean it's like you touch one life and you change it and it goes and touches two lives and it changes four lives. And, you know, have you, have you seen some of that impact or just what are your reflections on, you know, being a Green Beret or, or you know, starting these companies and having that positive mindset and, and just letting it flow into other people? Yeah, absolutely. So in not to get on like a motivational speaking topic or anything on it, but to we're all about you know, it, bro. Go for it. Better rip. <laughs> Yeah, but just if you want to accomplish anything, you do have to have that mindset and you have to have that confidence. And being a Christian, I feel like you get a leg up because you know you there's a plan laid out there. You know someone who made everything has your back and you have everybody else's back. So, I mean, you are going to be okay. And you can, if you keep that mindset and you keep that positivity, it's that's like the COVID man. That's like the original COVID that thing spreads from people to people. And it just, and you don't even need it. You shouldn't even wear a mask. You should breathe that all over everybody. Right? <laughs> breathe it in, breathe it in, baby. Breathe yeah. It in. So yeah, that's the, the good, the good pandemic. But, uh, as, as I go around and all these different places I've been, one of the, the biggest things that we're trained on doing is to kind of is to intertwine with the local populace and you do need to understand their feelings and their emotions and what they're going through because you have to get that buy-in. It's a little bit more complicated when you're overseas and it's a completely different culture. There's other countries and all these different players involved and everybody forever has been telling you that Americans are the worst people in the world, Western civilizations here to crush and squash you, all those terrible things and those misnomers. But when you go over there and you start working with them and you start understanding them and get on a personal level with them, they do start to buy in. And one of the key components of that is just to be, is to be positive, to be nice, 
to listen and to understand what their needs are. Never make promises that you cannot follow through on is a big one, but always find answers to any of their questions, whether it's something that you aren't able to help them out yourself, but find and point them in the right direction to help them out. Going down to Lake Charles, and so we spent a lot of time in Lake Charles, primarily there. We did spend some time over in Cameron Parish as well, our last two trips. Man, I'll tell you, the mindset of the people down there, those are some strong, strong SOBs. I'll tell you <laughs> I, I just, I was getting, I came down there, you know, with my positive attitude coming in, chainsaws going like, hey, let's do this. And those guys were, they were already ready. So it was cool to see that. And, uh, and it was, ex it was exciting to be down there. Everybody on our team, especially, um, we brought a, a group from uh, a Christian missionary school called Morningstar out of North Carolina with us last trip. And uh, it was, we had feedback from them and they said it was just life changing. And, you know, these are all young kids in their late teens and early 20s and they were just describing it as life changing. And that was because of the interactions we had with the people down there. Yeah. And you just, you understand not everybody's going to be that way. You're going to have those people that will step up. The people within the community may, may have expected it before. You may not expect it afterwards, but people do step up. Businesses, small businesses get open. They give every resource they possibly can out. All, everybody who has the funds and the ability to help and bless people, they, they come out and it's people you wouldn't expect. So it's a, it is out of that disaster, there's such a beautiful thing that happens. And if you can ride that wave of positivity and beauty out of that darkness, that pulls everybody else out of that darkness. And that's what we try to do when we go down there. We try to expand that. In some places, it's, it's easier than others. It, it was definitely pretty easy down in Lake Charles. Loved everybody we interacted with down there. It was great. We created a thing called a Stronger Campaign in all these areas that we go and reach out to. So if you guys have seen it, it's called Louisiana Stronger. And in its very core, instead of just Louisiana Strong or this place strong, it's stronger. And it automatically apply, implies that you're gonna be better on the other side of this. And so in BVI, the British Virgin Islands, 2017, they got whacked by Hurricane Irma. And 10 days later, they had a second category five Hurricane Maria come through and not only destroy it again, but it destroyed the main resource of help, which was Puerto Rico. And people, like five people died in the hurricane, but hundreds committed suicide in the following months. And I've been studying depressions at an all-time high. People feel like, oh, everybody cares. They reach out the first couple days, but after the news has done their hit and run, if they even come by, which is you guys got skipped. Especially on Delta. But if they, if news even does its hit and run, then people care for a couple of days and then they feel really abandoned. And so what we've done is we, the film that you guys have seen, uh, which has thankfully received over 300,000 views now on Facebook. Very cool how viral that video. I know so much hope was spread through that. Those videos are intentional about capturing that resiliency from the people and then giving people a reason to know why this specific area is or is not, normally is, worthy of people continuing to believe in, invest in, and vacation in, and be part of recovery. And so we created Louisiana Stronger. You can go to louisianastronger.com. You can support different uh, nonprofits and the work they're doing down there. It's a really transparent way to give all of the proceeds. 100% of it goes to these different nonprofits and initiatives. And so it's 
it's a way to remember that I don't I don't understand God and how he does everything but I can tell you he may not have caused it but he can definitely use it for good so you have to call that forth you have to remember you can have to speak that nothing is wasted you have to speak that this will become better you have to speak that he never he never has left you or forsaken you and he never will and to speak I will be stronger on the other side of this and so Louisiana stronger heck yeah Well, one of the things that we've talked about on uh, several of our podcasts since the hurricanes hit is, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of um, bickering fighting within the community. We've all been very pleasantly surprised at how everyone came together and helped one another. Uh, It's just been a beautiful thing, uh, you know, going through this tragedy and coming out the other side and seeing neighbors helping neighbors. Um, It's just been a great thing. Is that something that y'all noticed while y'all were here? Absolutely. Yeah, I touched on that earlier. Um, we, you know, one of our concerns when we went down initially is it's as with anything, a lot of the, the hardest thing is to get that like that point of like we call it like our infiltration route. If we're going to another country, there's a lot behind finding the right contact on the ground that you get connected to that connects you within the environment. So we can start force multiplying and getting as much influence within that area as possible. Fortunately for us, we were uh, we were connected with um, just kind of a military channel, uh, a Marine guy down there uh, who works. Uh, they're the owners of Gopher, the Gopher app. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Warren and David, and those guys, man, they took us in when we got there. They they rented, they lent out their space that they have uh, right down there in downtown Lake Charles. They sent a bunch of people in there. We were like, hey, we, you know, we got this crew coming down. We don't necessarily have jobs. All we need is a spot to sleep and, and we're going to come down, we're going to make some good. And they just threw something up there on Facebook. That's a, that's a power of the social media. They, we got down there and we just had just job after job after job. And as we were going down there and proving ourselves, and it started going around and getting spread to that, you know, Hey, when Ariel comes down there, they're going to help and they're going to, they're going to get you better than you were before our list just got larger and larger and larger and larger. So it was great. And that's all just from word of mouth and just the great community and network that was already down there. We would go to one place and the neighbors would all be out cleaning and come over and be like, Hey, can you help here? And we just start going down. People, locals would join us and help us. And it it was great. It was to speak to what you just said too, though. It's not just that people weren't fighting. It's that they were seeing they figured out how to help more people would join in too. They wouldn't just ask us. I mean, they were very open about which jobs we could help them with as well. But the relief supplies, we set up a distribution center. Once people know how to help, they help. That's what that showed me too is there's more than enough need, especially after a disaster, but there's more than enough resource. If you can bridge that gap, which we try to do through storytelling as a piece of our volunteer work as well as creating these websites like Louisiana Stronger then we can show people who want to get involved who aren't watching the news to know what resources to to go after we can create these things and let people know how they can help effectively and what we saw down there is didn't know these guys they gave us a place to stay over and over again didn't know these people and they toured us around John O'Donnell who is probably happy you know spent days touring us around telling us where the biggest need was um taking um our watts of love team we distributed over 640 solar lights to families in need he was there at every single one 
Michelle Mitchell. She's just, everybody's just a bomb down there. And they're, mm-hmm. they're willing to give up their time, their jobs to help their community. And so that's exactly what we saw too. And that's not always normal in times of desperation. You can see people get into survival mode and they may not even be bad people, but they are losing it because they don't have any comforts. They have no security. They're getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. They're hot. They're hungry. They're scared. And we did not see anything negative in this area. So good job, guys. Great Mm. community. (laughs) We're holding it together here. And we we appreciate you guys sharing the story in the way you do because it uh, it makes it keeps it on the front page and it makes everybody aware of what's going on. Even if they do forget, it's always in their face and and, and helps the support um, go on and on. So we really appreciate the way y'all present that. And hey, look, I know we're kind of pressed on time. So we're going to try. Do you have time for two quick questions? see i think we uh i think we do when i was we asked our guests one particular question i'll let one of them throw it to you here in just a minute but i have a personal question for you so i have this saying if you snap your finger once that's one second of your life gone one second closer to eternity the question becomes how do you want to spend those seconds and i happen to be reading and looking maybe i've got this wrong somewhere but you wrote your eulogy at a young age Yes, I can you can you just speak to that a little bit on a podcast, but I so I knew what I, I wanted to do missions since I was 12. And I was homeschooled and raised in a very Christian household, very strict. And my parents, they just go to bed at nine, blah, blah, blah. And so when I went to ministry, so I could be ready for my hardcore missions in Africa. I was off on my own and I would just stay up all night. I wasn't doing anything bad. I, mean, I was eating an aggressive amount of ice cream. <laughs> I would just pull pranks on people and stay up. And it was just, I was just about having fun, 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 and just goofing off. And I went into class and this speaker that day said, all right, we're going to write your eulogy. And I was like, what's a eulogy? He said, it's the story that you want people to tell about you when you die. And so I did the exercise and then I woke up to life. Wow. What matters? I was like, whoa, I'm a good person. You know, I was raised right. I got a good head on my shoulders. I'm not messing around. I'm a good kid. But none of the stuff that I want to be true at the end of my life is going to be true because I'm not living intentionally at all. And at 17 years old, I woke up. And I've been super intentional ever since. I bought my first house in 2007, worst time to buy a house ever. But at 18 years old, I bought my first house and it took me three years. But after three years of just completely starving it out and living in my car and working for free, I was able to start my business. And then uh, the next year I became the biggest rehabber in Nashville. And the next year, the biggest uh, infill developer in Nashville, and then won Forbes' sixth fastest growing woman-owned company in the whole world. Incredible. Fortune number three in the U.S. And so, very cool, lots of cool sounding accolades, but I never, I didn't even show up to get most of my awards because it's never been about the awards. It's nice to have humans say, I approve you, but the point (laughs) is that you've got to have something bigger than you and a direction pulling you forward to be able to overcome the kind of things that you're going to overcome, especially if you raise your hand and say, I want to do something big with my life. And I want to develop third world nations. I want to create jobs so that they don't have to sell their kids anymore. 
I want to end some of the worst things in our lifetime caused by disasters. And it's going to take the ability to overcome terrible things <laughs> to be able to accomplish that. And so if you haven't written your eulogy, you really need to, because the people who live life the fullest and all out are people with terminal illness. Right. Mm -hmm. They have this weird freedom that, oh, well, it's going to all be over soon, so let's go for it. And if you realize we all have a terminal illness called being human, you're right. Yeah. We might as well freaking go for it in our one chance on earth and be everything and write that story and be used for the kingdom or whatever the heck you're living for. You don't have to be, you know, you don't have to believe in all the stuff I'm believing, but just know you have one chance. Write your story, writing it every day. And in the times of great trial, you can be like Miss Helen because that's when you're squeezed, people get to see what comes out, what's really on the inside. And so I appreciate you having us. I appreciate what you guys are doing. What an amazing podcast this has been. This has been great. I love what you're doing. Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And look, we're going to wrap it up with one last question for both of you. It's a simple one. So our podcast is called Who's Driving Your Car? And that's kind of a, the proverbial meaning is that God, free will, could be the pandemic, could be the storms, could be family, many, many things. We've, we've heard all kind of, kind of answers so far. So we're going to throw it to you pretty quickly here and ask, who do you think's driving your car in life, so to speak? I will, I'll start. <clears throat> so for me, I would say that God made my car and it's a pretty super sweet car and, uh, and he's he's like my my nav right he's the navigation in it so but it's up to me to grab the steering wheel press the accelerator make sure i fuel it up make sure i take care of that vehicle um so for me i think i ultimately am driving the car but i am guided by our lord that would be my answer Awesome. Great answer. Awesome. Thank you. Solid answer. Jay Bear. Mm -hmm. It's a solid one to follow up. Brittany, what you got, girl? I have an even sweeter car. <laughs> <laughs> Coming out hot. A jacked up Bronco. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> man, who's driving my car? I'm guessing the question means what's really motivating everything that I do. Yeah, okay. it's a good way to look at it, correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like Jeremy's answer. I'm answer it a different way. It's motivating everything that I do. I think one of the reasons that we're here on earth is to learn how to love and to actually live that expression every day, not just say it. And what's driving my car is realizing that the car is on a great adventure called life that because it we don't get to live forever and ever and ever we don't have to be that stressed out about it even when it doesn't work out in the moment and on this adventure i get to use resources i get to use every moment to be intentional and to love and to encourage other people to do the same and that is what's driving my car it's a tough question. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's, awesome. A it's a little thought-provoking. Two really good answers. And um, look, guys, we appreciate y'all hopping on today. We know y'all are very busy with all y'all's 
amazing happenings y'all got going on. And uh, I know I myself and probably can speak for them, learned a lot from y'all today. So we appreciate it. Yes, guys. Thank you guys for having us. If, I wanted to say uh, one last thing too. We were talking about the wonderful community down there and uh, just helping each other's neighbors. So we do, with Aerial Recovery Group, we have the Aerial Recovery Group Volunteer Corps. And these are volunteers from all across the country that join up with us and they come down on these missions, um, usually led by myself or other Green Berets. And they're very professional, they're very profound, and they're very purposeful trips. So uh, we're always looking to expand our core. We have excellent training opportunities, excellent mission opportunities. And um, if anybody's interested in joining that and serving, we, you can find us at aerorecoverygroup.com and uh, sign up for the core there or on Instagram or Facebook. And I did also want to say one more thing. Brittany's story is super awesome, right? Like just from rags to riches, just wonderful, awesome story. I want to tell you guys, my story is a hundred times better, but it's classified. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so hey, what you're saying is you want to come back on one day and tell it. Uh, uh, 50 years. I'll come back on. <laughs> or if you're ever back in Lake Charles, we got a brewery and a hot dog restaurant we can sit down and uh, talk about. Yeah, I'm going to look up hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> what you guys are doing you guys are being a force for good in your community and i think it's amazing it, the world needs more people like you so keep it up thank you much thank appreciated you. appreciate it all right guys well we appreciate everyone tuning in with us this week and until next time we'll catch y'all later Aye. hey y'all if you've been enjoying picking up what we've been laying down subscribe and never miss an episode Find us on social media and let us know who's driving your car this week. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Who's Driving Your Car Podcast. Perfect timing, sun is shining, nothing more I need. Yeah. If you feel like this your best life, won't you sing with me? Me.